I'm Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, I'll tell you about the movie that has a good chance of being my favorite film of 2018, A Quiet Place. Plus, I'm Jeff Braun. It's time to return to Westworld. We'll tee up Season 2. Plus, I'll also tell you what I thought of the Season 8 finale of The Walking Dead and the Season 4 debut of Fear the Walking Dead, which last week, remember, I said, Fear is now better than the original recipe of The Walking Dead. First, it's the news. From the couch. And Harry Anderson passed away this week. Hey, Coach, how about a beer? That'd be one buck. Well, I got a ten. You got change? Absolutely. There you go. Five and four ones. Oh, look at this. I have a buck after all. (coughs) I don't need the change, Coach. Why don't you give me my ten back? Right. Coach, I don't want to carry around all these bills. Listen... Give me a 20 for the whole thing. What do you say? You got it. Nobody move. Ah, oh, come on. Coach, don't you see what he's doing? I mean, he's shortchanging you. Oh, no, no, Sam. He's outsmarted me before, but not this time. No way. Believe me. Coach, how much money are you giving him? 20 bucks. How much is he giving you? Oh, darn you, Harry. <laughs> While most of us first saw Harry Anderson as Harry the Hat on Cheers, we became he became rather most famous a couple of years later on another NBC sitcom. Night Court, where he played Judge Harry T. Stone for nine seasons. I do not believe this. A book burning, a public book burning. Take it easy, sir. I will not take it easy. Not until people like this crawl into the 20th century and realize that the freedom of speech manifested in our literature is one of the very cornerstones of our democracy. Uh, Your Honor, they attempted to burn 1,200 copies of the same book. I don't give a damn. I feel it's my responsibility to set an example by fining radical extremists like this with every ounce of power that this state has seen fit to grant me. The genius of Barry Manilow. One (laughs) dollar! Night Court didn't quite have the gravitas a lot of other NBC sitcoms attained over the years, but it was always a lot of fun. Usually it was silly, zany stuff with a healthy dose of raunchiness tossed in, but it could also get real and serious. You had a couple of bad nights. Is that any reason to just quit, throw it all away? It wasn't a couple of bad nights, Dan. A kid got shot. We can only do what the law will allow us to do. That's it. That ain't good enough for me. I can't go back. It's too hard. You were good, Harry. Very good. And I admired you. In hindsight, it's impressive how well they could pull off the serious stuff given just how silly the silly stuff was. I think Scrubs owes them in that department. Harry Anderson went on to play the sitcom version of writer Dave Barry on a show called Dave's World, but I think we'll all remember him as the judge on Night Court. He was found dead in his North Carolina home from a suspected heart attack this week. Harry Anderson was 65. Anderson wasn't the only one we lost this week. I am Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, your senior drill instructor. From now on, you will speak only when spoken to. 
and the first and last words out of your filthy sewers will be, sir. Do you maggots understand that? R. Lee Ermey made a career out of playing tough guy army dudes, which came natural to him as he used to be a real-life tough guy army dude. He improvised much of his dialogue as the mean drill sergeant in Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket, and it was glorious. If you can handle some of the foulest language you've ever heard, check out the whole six-minute dressing down scene he gives his new recruits on YouTube. Ermey died from pneumonia-related complications this week. He was 74. Most of you will go to Vietnam. Some of you will not come back. But always remember this, Marines die. That's what we're here for. But the Marine Corps lives forever. And that means you live forever. This week also saw the passing of one of the masters behind the camera. The winner is Milos Forman. The native of the Czech Republic directed such movies as Hair, Ragtime, The People vs. Larry Flint, and Man on the Moon, but Milos Forman will be remembered for two stone-cold masterpieces. Amadeus, the man, the music, the magic, the madness, the murder, the mystery, the motion picture. Amadeus, everything you've heard is true. And one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Raise the ball up in the air, Chief. Raise it up. McMurphy, what the hell are you talking to him for? He can't hear a thing. I ain't talking to him. I'm talking to myself. It helps me think. Yeah, well, it don't help him then. Well, it don't hurt him either, does it? Don't hurt you, does it, Chief? See? Don't hurt him. Foreman won Oscars for each and each won Best Picture. If you've never seen Amadeus, it's not as stuffy as you might think a period piece about the life and death of Mozart would be. I think they've debunked a lot of the historical speculation in it, but it's still a lot of fun. Cuckoo's Nest actually achieved the rare feat of winning Best Picture, Director, Actress, Actor, and Screenplay. Only two other movies have ever done that. Frank Capra's It Happened One Night in 1934 and Jonathan Demme's The Silence of the Lambs in 1991. Milos Foreman passed away in a hospital near his home in Connecticut after a short illness. He was was 86. Look at that one over here! <laughs> How about it, you creep, you lunatics? <laughs> you think you're crazy or something? Well, you're not. You're not. This movie trailer caught my attention this week. Watching The Walking Dead on Sunday, there was a commercial that ran which said, Trailer Tomorrow. That trailer debuted on Monday, and as you heard, Sterling K. Brown needs help from Jodie Foster in a movie called Hotel Artemis. Easy, fellas. Everybody's gonna get fixed up. Now verify your memberships, and we're off to the races. The Artemis is a secret hospital for criminals. I thought you were done with all this. I got out, but you know how it goes. You're never out. Not up here. I thought this place was a myth. We've been here for 22 years. This hospital was built on two things. Trust. Rules. So, this is kind of like John Wick, but with a hospital instead of a hotel? 
ever comes, I'll kill them all. Thank you, John Wick. Set in the near future in Riot Torn, Los Angeles, Hotel Artemis follows the nurse who runs a secret, members-only emergency room for criminals. I use the John Wick comparison because that movie and its sequel and the spin-off TV show they're working on has a hotel, the Continental, where all the assassins stay. So many assassins. And the hotel has rules. And if you break those rules, there are severe consequences. Hotel Artemis also has rules, but those rules are about to be broken because Sterling K. Brown has something that a really bad guy wants. The Artemis isn't safe for us, because it is. It's a portable vault. Worth about 18 million. Wolf King's probably gonna want those back. Okay, this is a real problem. It's here. Open the gate. That's against the rules. Rules? Without the rule breakers, honey, where would you be? Hey, that really bad guy is played by Jeff Goldblum. Great cast in this, aside from Jodie Foster, Sterling K. Brown, and Jeff Goldblum. There's also Dave Bautista, Sophia Butella, Charlie Day, Zachary Quinto, just to name a few. There's a war zone up here. Am I gonna make it out of here? We can do it together. This is what I do. Visiting hours are never. Busy night at the Artemis. Hotel Artemis is scheduled to be released on June 8th. You know, you might want to buy some scented candles or something, because it smells like somebody died in here. They did. First time to Turkey? No, no, no. Long time ago. Different life. Now you come back? Yes. I'm looking for something. You can find whatever you wish in Turkey. How about a man who kidnapped a little girl from her American mother? Would not be looking for such a man. Would be dangerous for you. Men like him would think that. That last part of the clip was the sound of Denzel Washington laying waste to everyone in the room in a very short amount of time in the first of two trailers for The Equalizer 2. This week, Sony Pictures released a domestic trailer and an international trailer, which also begins with Denzel, as The Rock once upon a time would say, laying the smackdown on a bunch of Rudy Poos. I'm the driver you called to take home your girlfriend. The uh, credit card was invalid. Come in. You're not gonna ask me if she got homework? Okay. I'm gonna need your cameras, cell phones, anything you might have used to record what you did to her tonight. Knocked on the wrong door tonight, Pops. First Equalizer film in 2014 from director Antoine Fuqua grossed over $192 million worldwide, and it was based on a TV show from the 80s starring Edward Woodward. No jokes! Don't you dare joke about that with me! Washington played Robert McCall in the first movie and this new one, a former black ops commando who faked his own death to live a quiet life in Boston. 
He came out of retirement to rescue a teenage girl from a life of violent prostitution with Russian gangsters, and he served vengeance and justice to all of them. As the official tag goes, if someone has a problem, the odds are stacked against them, and they have nowhere else to turn. McCall will help. He is the Equalizer. In the sequel, some bad people killed an old colleague of his, an old friend of his. Now, he's mad. Whoever we're looking for, I'm a high-level assassin. They're cleaning up. Nobody's safe. You have no idea what you just started. You shouldn't have gone to war with us, McCall. You got it backwards. You're going to war with me. Antoine Fuqua is back as the director, Pedro Pascal from Game of Thrones and Narcos is his co-star, along with Melissa Leo and Bill Pullman. The Equalizer 2 debuts July 20th. They killed my friend. So I'm going to kill each and every one of them, and the only disappointment is that I only get to do it once. We all got to pay for our sins. Not as easy as it used to be. Phone home. I don't know anything about Ryan. I don't care. Man means nothing to me. It's just a name. Welcome to Jurassic Park. This shark swallow you whole. Ladies and gentlemen. This is a flying saucer. Steven Spielberg hit a monetary milestone this week, becoming the first director to hit the $10 billion mark in worldwide box office grosses. It should come as a little surprise given his movies like Jaws, E.T., the Indiana Jones movies, and Saving Private Ryan. Jurassic Park is Spielberg's highest grossing film worldwide at just under a billion dollars. His lowest was 1989's Always with Richard Dreyfuss and Holly Hunter. And he doesn't have to worry about being caught anytime soon. Peter Jackson is in second place at only around $7 billion. Look at this. See? See? I'm right again. Nobody could have predicted that Dr. Grant would suddenly, suddenly jump out of a moving vehicle. There's uh, another example. <laughs> See, here I'm now by myself uh, uh, talking to myself. That's, that's case. That is the news from the couch. Up next, uh, Cuddly Bear Comes Home. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Hello, window cleaner. Paddington is back. Ow. And looking for a job. Quick, Jim Barber. I'm not the barber. <laughs> oh, that's not good. This year, ah, laundry. Join the adventure. It's only one red sock. What's the worst that can happen? The pink really brightens the place up a bit. I'm Brad, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes, having a look at what, a, what is coming to home video this upcoming week, and how is Paddington 2 going to be available? It is available on the Blu-rays and the DVDs, it's got uh, rave reviews, everyone who's seen it loved it, and I have heard, honest to God, legit Oscar talk about Hugh Grant in this movie, so. Really? Yeah, apparently he's that good, he plays the bad guy in it, he wasn't in the clip there. Uh, so yeah, so Paddington 2, uh, 
Might be worth checking out. Also on Blu-ray and DVD on Tuesday, Maze Runner, The Death Cure. That's the uh, third of that trilogy, I believe. And over on Digital HD, Fifty Shades Freed, which is mercifully the final installment of that trilogy. Yeah, that uh, Paddington 2 uh, actually has still has a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Boom! With, uh, I'm just going to see how many reviews. 100, 193 fresh <laughs> reviews, zero Rotten, and that's an improvement on the first Paddington, yeah. which was ninety eight percent. Right. Um, both of the, I, I want to see these movies. They look like such charming, family friendly films. I still, I'm having trouble uh, wrapping my head around that it looks different from what the old show used to look like when I was a kid. Oh, really? I wish they would just call the bear something else, and it'd be fine or whatever. But so it doesn't seem like Paddington to me. You know what I mean? What? How is he different? I don't know. Didn't they? Isn't it weird? Like stop motion animation or something? Oh yes, that old TV show. We used to watch it all the time when I was a kid. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that's how I see Paddington. Okay. Then, yeah. So, but uh, apparently these movies are so good. I should definitely check them out. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Fifty Shades Freed. On the <laughs> other hand, let me just have a hard pass. Yeah. Let's see here. I'm just gonna type in Fifty Shades. On the Rotten Tomatoes. 50 Shades of Grey, 25%. 50 Shades Darker, 10%. 50 Shades Free, 13%. And if you'd prefer, you can watch 50 Shades of Black, which was the Marlon Wayans spoof version of this movie. Uh, But that was 7%, so even the parody was terrible. Uh, Going back to our last segment, have you ever seen The Equalizer 1? Oh, yeah, I saw the first one. Is it good? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Because I really like the sounds of The Equalizer 2, so i got to maybe catch up on... Eek 1 before I go see Eek 2. There are some gory, violent kills, though, so be ready for that. Like, uh, surprisingly violent. I really? Was, yeah. Oh, sunny Sunday morning will be a good time to watch it then. <laughs> Up next on The Couch Potatoes, we'll tell you about this scary movie that I went to see that is almost as good as Paddington with the critics. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. We're both getting caught up on a couple of movies that we've been meaning to see. Jeff mentioned Steven Spielberg reached $10 billion. He'll tell you the latest Spielberg movie that he checked out. But this past weekend, I went to see a film that recently came out, and I want to tell you why you should see it too. On April 6th, stop talking, stop moving, don't make a sound, because if they hear you, they haunt you. We have to protect them. A Quiet Place is genuinely scary, a remarkable achievement, and now it's 100% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Quiet Place in theaters April 6th. Was 100%. Now it's at 95%, which is still an excellent mark and well-deserved. A Quiet Place, directed by John Krasinski, a.k.a. Jim from The Office, also starring Krasinski alongside his on-screen and real-life wife, Emily Blunt. This is the most fun I have had at the movies in a long time. It came exploding out of the gate at the box office two weeks back with $50.2 million. Not bad for a movie with a $17 million budget. In its second week, it came in second, just barely finishing second to the big budget Monster Mash Rampage, which cost $120 million to make. It stars The Rock. Rampage made 35.7 mil, A Quiet Place 32.9. It's set a couple of years in the future in a world where humanity has been decimated by vicious monsters that hunt by sound. 
It isn't explained in the movie, but Krasinski does has said in interviews that they are aliens that crashed on Earth. doesn't matter where they come from or how they got here, because this isn't about the world at large. It isn't about the invasion. It's about one family's struggle for survival. In this dangerous and super depressing world, just imagine not being able to make any noise, not a peep. You knock a pen off the table onto the floor, the monsters will come and get you. If you laugh, the monsters will come and get you. If you sneeze, the monsters will come and get you. The family has to communicate with each other via sign language, the two parents and three kids. And as it turns out, the eldest daughter is deaf and is played by a deaf actress named Millicent Simmons, who starred in a movie called Wonderstruck last year. So the way this family has figured out how to survive in this new world is really quite impressive. The systems they've created to prevent making noise, like how they get around a creaky floor. They've figured out the spots on the floor where it's safe to step. It's just the way they've adapted to this new world the way they face the world when they have to go out and scavenge for supplies. It's all really imaginative and creative and, and quite scary for them. I mean, this the, the it was just gripping. The tension is unrelenting, and it's such a creative piece of work. It's nice to see, too, box office success, which means audiences are embracing a creative film like this. Last year, Get Out was an enormous success. Split was a success, that M. Night Shyamalan movie about the guy with 27 multiple personalities. Couch Potatoes are often disappointed when cool movies come out and no one goes to see them. I think of uh, yes. uh, Edge of Tomorrow slash Live, Die, Repeat yeah. slash All Ugh. You Need is Kill. Hopefully the sequel to that will uh, bring in a few more bucks for him. Yeah, I mean, it, it made $100 million, but the budget was like $150 million, so yeah. it barely broke. It did, I don't know. I can't remember what its foreign take was, but anyway. Uh, Quiet Place also, nice and short, hour and a half, tells a simple, scary story and gets out. And it is scary. It's PG-13, so it's not too violent or too scary, but it very effectively uses suspense and lots of silly jump scares. And one of the guys I went with said he thought the jump scares were cheesy. And in, in another movie, I, I might agree with that. Like, for example, one of the characters is grabbed from behind. Turns out it's just one of the siblings. There were lots of scares like that. But to me, they work in this film because in this world, you'd be jumpy all the time too. I mean, every time someone grabs you or taps you on the shoulder and you're not expecting it, you, the first thought through your head is probably, that's it, I'm done. Yeah. The does, monsters are here. Does the music do its swirp uh, thing too like it often does in those times? Uh, oh, I couldn't quite remember, but they did. The music was very effectively yeah. used um, to accentuate what was going on in the movie. So there's some noise in the movie by at least the music. Oh, but, yeah. Like I, I've... Whenever movies get quiet, I get very self-conscious about chewing my popcorn. Yeah. Because it always, well, for one thing, it sounds louder in my head than it is out loud in, to anyone else. I know that. But it still seems like it's too loud, you know? Yeah. Well, there are, and there are very long stretches of yeah. sheer silence where you might just hear the rustling of the wind or or picking up, like, they, they'll pick things up off of shelf and gingerly put it back, <laughs> or the, the sound of their toes sort of tapping across yeah. the floor. Uh, but yeah, and it, so I didn't, I purposely did not buy popcorn 
for that express reason because I'm a slob. When I eat popcorn, I'm a slob. I'm the guy who gets one of those flavor shakers and then you got to shake the bag. Uh, so I just didn't buy popcorn to avoid that. <laughs> um, but yeah, just imagine living in a world like that. The mere thought of it is giving me an anxiety attack. Uh, and I the, I liked the how the lack of speaking and just the general lack of sound, it really drew me in. Silence is the best way to grab someone's attention sometimes. For example, have you ever flipped... Jeff threw the dial on your radio and landed on a station where nothing is happening. Yeah. You should just keep going, but there's something about that silence that kind of makes you stop. Well, sure. On the radio, you, I, I leave it. I once listened to dead air on a radio for over an hour because <laughs> I just wanted to like, well, how are they going to, what are they going to do when they finally come back? You know? <laughs> and I, I was just waiting for it. And then, a, you know, it was a music station and the song just started playing and they ignored it. And I was like, well, that was, uh, that, that was, was a, a letdown. Of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, I was like, oh, come on. I was waiting for a DJ to come on and say, you guys won't believe what just happened here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what happens in this film. So when there is sound, it's often jarring and frightening. Emily Blunt, always an acting powerhouse. She does not disappoint in this film. But I was really happy to see Krasinski do so well in a dramatic role like this because he's known for comedy and he's tried with other movies, but he just hasn't really broken out yet since The Office. His face is so expressive and he conveys so much emotion through his eyes. Uh, they, they, he has a genuine kindness depicting this man, this father, trying to protect his family. So I think this role will help elevate his acting career and we are going to later see him in the title role of the Amazon TV series Jack Ryan based right. on the Tom Clancy novel. So that's set to debut Labor Day weekend. So 2018, I think, is going to be the year of Krasinski because it's also going to elevate his directorial career. It's only his second film. His first one was called The Hollers, but I'm sure he's going to be in high demand now. I just, I had a blast watching this. A couple of clumsy spots that made me stop and wonder, what happened there? Like, I don't understand what's going on right now. So when that kind of stuff happens, it distracts me momentarily. And I don't like to be taken out of a movie like that, especially one as gripping as this. But those mo- mo- moments were few and far between. I love A Quiet Place. Can't recommend it enough. Four and a half couch cushions out of five for A Quiet Man, Place. I'm torn. I want to go see it. But I also, like you said, it's scary. So, yeah. I don't know. I'll see it eventually in some capacity. If you can tell, you saw it, right? Yep. If you survived it, you can survive. survive Yeah. Eh, All right. Uh, Yeah. So there you go. What did you see? Uh, I finally got around to seeing Ready Player One this week. This is the Oasis, a whole virtual universe. A contest changed everything. The first to finish gets complete control of the Oasis. Which means complete control of the future. What would you do if you won? You have to excuse him. He gets a little nervous around pretty girls. Ready Player One. Rated PG-13. Experience it in IMAX. It's been out about three weeks now, I believe, and it's a Spielberg movie. It's about it's getting close to the half a billion dollar mark worldwide, and as of what pushed uh, Steven Spielberg over ten billion dollars this week in all time worldwide box office. So it's got that going for it. I thought it was okay. It had its moments, but as a movie, I don't really think I thought much of it. Uh, like the kid said in the clip, it's set in twenty forty five. The world's gone to hell. Everyone escapes reality by hanging out in this virtual reality multiplayer world called the Oasis. The guy who invented it has died and left hidden clues in the world whomever solves his puzzles will win ownership of the oasis which is the number one economic driver on the planet at the point so this kid keeps trying to win he has some friends who help him they're up against a giant corporation which is also trying to win and of course that corporation is run by ben Mendelssohn because he is the current go-to bad guy in hollywood he's very good at it 
he and Michael Shannon need to square off to, in a movie against each other. The story is basic, and it really seems like it's geared towards kids. Our young hero also falls in love. It's very teen-oriented. But it's also geared towards nostalgia from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Stuff from those eras pop up constantly in the Oasis. Uh, Back to the Future, The Iron Giant, Bigfoot, The Monster Truck, Video Games, Duran Duran, on and on and on. Frankly, it's weird. How would teens today know any of that stuff or care about it? And while all that is incongruous with the intended audience in the real world, you and me, it makes even less sense within the context of the film because it's 2045 and the kids are obsessed with stuff from 1985. It's as though nothing has happened in the 50 years in between. I just thought that didn't make much sense. It's like if we only watch movies and listen to music from the 1930s. So it didn't add up for me. Plus, there was a lot of cursing. It's PG-13 cursing, but still. And there's some sort of gross and frightening stuff involving a classic horror movie. All stuff for adults in a movie with a story aimed at kids. That just didn't jive for me. So two and a half cushions out of five for Ready Player Ones. The scary scenes, did they scare you? No, because I knew it was fake, because it was, it was in the Oasis. <laughs> and I've seen that movie before, so I sort of got it. You know, you, you do make a good point. Uh, that stuff, I, I was weird? a little... It is weird. Now that you mention it, it is a little bit weird. Um, but, ah, kids, kids got to learn to be scared, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, I can't remember his name, the guy that won the Oscar in Spielberg's Bridge of Spies... That was also in Dunkirk last year. He plays the the guy who created the Oasis in this, and I thought he was horribly miscast. He just I was not buying that guy for a second. Mark Rylance, yeah, Mark Rylance. Uh, it it seemed not like a character on screen. It seemed like Mark Rylance dressed up as a character for Halloween on the screen, <laughs> and it's bad because he is like he is a terrific. He's a scary good actor. Yeah. And but for this, it just I don't know. I know he's uh, Spielberg's go-to guy now, but yeah, I don't know. Should have given given some other people a better look than that guy. Up next, one of HBO's most highly anticipated shows makes its second season debut this weekend. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett, and a fan favorite returns to television this weekend. Look at this world. This beautiful world. It's HBO's Westworld. We built this world together. A world where dreams come true. A world where you can be free. But this world is alive. It's been over a year already, so it is about time we return to the theme park where nothing can possibly go wrong. We can burn it to the ground. And from the ashes, build a new world. Our world. So this is the big deal on TV this weekend, probably this spring. Lots of other good stuff going on, but people like talking Westworld. People I know who aren't into sci-fi watch and enjoy this show. Like I said, it's been off the air for well over a year. The fall of 2016 is when season one aired. So people have had a lot of time to jump in if they weren't there from the get-go. If you've never seen it, it's fairly simple. The basic premise anyways. It's set a ways in the future. I don't think we know how far. But Westworld is a theme park of sorts. It's actually just a giant swath of land made to look like the old 
Old West, and it's populated with cowboys and cowgirls, all of whom look like real people, but are in fact robots. And if you're a tourist, and you must be very rich to visit Westworld, you can shoot and kill the robots, you can go on adventures with them, you can even do the wild thing with them if you're so inclined. And for the most part, that's all people want to do, have sex and then get in a gunfight, because the gunfight has no consequences to humans, the robots are not programmed to kill you, it's safe. Well... It was safe. Season 1 saw the park go through some troubles with robots becoming self-aware and turning on people. It's a very complicated show. There are a lot of different storylines and they're set in different time periods. That's where some of the fun comes in because the park itself more or less always looks the same. The robots don't age. They stay the same age for decades. The show had fun, you know, screwing around with timelines like that while characters chase mysteries in the park. The audience too had fun trying to get a step ahead, figure out some of the twists. I would say there were two big twists in season 1 and I was impressed because I guessed one of them, which means we're probably supposed to be able to guess it because I'm not that clever. So who knows what will be in store for Season 2. There was an allusion to other theme parks in Season 1. There was like a samurai world, for example, and from the trailer it looks like that may be explored a little. We'll see. Regardless of plot, the show always looks fantastic. HBO spares no expense, and the performances are great all around, particularly by Evan Rachel Wood, Tandy Newton, Jeffrey Wright, Jimmy Simpson, and Ed Harris. So Season 2, Westworld, Sunday night on HBO. I waited until the season was over before I finally watched it. And once I started watching it, I lost a lot of sleep because I binged through that pretty quick. It's an addictive, uh, but very, as you pointed out, complicated show. So it's the kind of show where I think you can benefit from reading episode recaps or episode reviews. Oh, there's always, there's thousands and thousands of words to read the Monday morning after an episode. Yeah. It's fun like that. Uh, I'll just very quickly tell you that season three of Into the Badlands makes its debut on Sunday on AMC. On Tuesday, season five of The 100 is back. Genius is back on National Geographic. This season, it's about Picasso. Season three is going to focus on Mary Shelley. The first season was about Einstein. On Wednesday, Archer Danger Island on Teletoon, season nine of that. Code Black Season 3 on CBS and Brockmire Season 2 on the Comedy Network. That's the one with Hank Azaria playing like an alcoholic uh, uh, baseball announcer. And then finally on Thursday, April 26th, uh, Quantico Season 3 on ABC. That's the one with, what is that show about? Uh, It's a sexy FBI agent. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Sexy FBI agent. I also just have to quickly touch on this because I gave that uh, big dissertation last week about The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. Why I think Fear the Walking Dead is a better show. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is worth pointing out that the season eight finale of The Walking Dead was decent. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't... For a storyline that they've been stretching out really for two and a half seasons, it was not the climax that it should have been. Oh, really? And uh, they didn't quite tease, like they, 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 for a show that says they're going to shift gears next season, I think they should have done more of a tease as to what is coming. But uh, it was, it was Mm. good. It had some moments, but it wasn't as exciting as I wanted it. Fear the Walking Dead, on the other hand, what produced one of its best episodes yet, as one of the characters from The Walking Dead made his way over to Fear the Walking Dead, Morgan Jones. And uh, it was excellent. It was gripping. I really, really enjoyed it. So, yeah, I'm all in on Fear the Walking Dead. I'll keep watching The Walking Dead because... You have to because yeah. you're so far into it, yeah. Yeah, it's too it's too late to, to bail out now. Don't you hate that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got, just got to stick with it. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.